Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. I am your co-host, Matt Koplick. And I am John Wascavage, and I'm so glad that you introduced the title today, because I apparently haven't had enough coffee yet. So I literally was about to be like, okay, welcome to Broadway Barks. Nope. Nope. Oh my god. I mean, like, yeah, we're bitches, but we're not. Oh god. Just like Broadway Barks, we are basic Broadway bitches. Maybe I've had too much coffee already. That's probably how many cups have you had? I've had one and a half. I I have had. I I'm finishing my second, and I have I have like I always keep a fresh cup right next to me when I record this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can hear me taking sips. I try to I try to keep them quiet, but um, I, <laughs> I I'm going on my third, which is not. A lot for me. In the beginning of the summer, I was doing six a day, six to seven. So um, Jesus Christ, your stomach lining must have been shot. Yeah, yeah. It's just murder. Murder for two requires so much energy that, Mm. like, it's almost like if my energy drops at all during the day, it's so hard to do the show. So Mm -hmm. I just keep. I mean, honestly, like, yes, I've looked into coffee enemas. I just, you know. As of right, but I'm so proud. I was actually saying yesterday, like I have gone down to like, I'm only doing more today because I wanted to be a little more caffeinated up for this. But um, I have gone down to like three cups a day again, which is like great for me. And so yeah, yeah, it's all an addiction, you guys. It and, is. Like all addic, and like all addictions, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to it with every fiber of my being because it makes me who I am. You, because you're, yeah. and Vanessa. Holding on to yes. your addictions for musical yes. theater purposes. I love how many people really loved um, your Vanessa Carlton, Michelle Branch musical mashup. You really, you really spoke to people a lot with, <laughs> I, with who knew? lesbianism, no. with alcoholism, with um, um, turntable po- realness, turntable realness, fireflies. Honestly, like what a dream. Yeah, you know what? I think that's as good an intro as any to go into. Uh, I wanted to do a little social media check-in because oh. we're on now on our fifth episode and mm-hmm. we are getting a bit of traction now. It's small, but it's there. Uh, I want to go into Twatter for a second. Um, we had two uh, fellow listeners 
tell us how much they enjoyed Brunette's the Musical. Uh, one was uh, Miss Beth Marie. Beth Marie, who's mm. been a devoted Baking It uh, follower for a long time. She wrote to us, I finally listened to episode three of Broadway Breakdown, and it is such a good episode. I'll see Brunette's the Musical, which I thought was very encouraging. And then to add on to that, uh, BP Flannery, uh, named Brian, wrote with the uh, emoji, the like hand clap emoji, going, I can't wait for Brunette's. Hashtag so many fireflies. Hashtag Mandy Moore. Mandy with an I. I don't think that's how she spells her name, though. Uh, hashtag new American musical hashtag none home. So you see, so see guys, we do sit behind our computers just daily waiting for someone to reach out and validate us. So do it. Please do, do it. it. Please. It's all my I therapist need. is so sick of me crying. Oh my God. I mean, the day that that happened, I went to bed crying and woke up and found that tweet. And I, Aww. I skipped around the day for an hour and then I started crying again because I realized that there are, the universe is infinite, and I am insignificant. And life is futile. Uh, moving right along, uh, yes. just to kind of emphasize how futile life is as well, we got our first review on the iTunes, everybody. Now, John hasn't read this Ooh. review yet, so this will be a big surprise for him. Big surprise. Yeah, uh, I, w- I wanted to be it, surprised. It, <laughs> uh, AK, you told me, and I forgot to look it up. <laughs> I, I meant to, I was like, I'll do it later. And then I was like, ah. Oh. I text John and I'm like, we got tweeted at, we got a, we got an iTunes review. And he's like, cool. I'm busy like working. And <laughs> no, well, yes, but you know, you I know, I just sit here among my like theater books. Speaking of which, if you want to know what I'm doing right now is recording, you said you had like a cup of coffee with you. I have a mug of coffee that is so old today. I brewed it this morning and it's still here. It's not become essentially iced coffee sitting next to my tub of Avino moisturizer next to my copy of Not Since Carrie by Ken Mendelbaum, which is a book of Broadway flops. So that's that's my life right now. They were not lying when they said it gets better. They really weren't, were they? <laughs> no. They that I think that is what people sold, aspire to when they come yeah. out. Yeah, they they I sold mean, us the truth. Okay, I want to hear this iTunes review. Uh, iTunes review, iTunes review. We're getting off the beaten track. Okay. Sorry. This is by a small little fanzy. Written oh. on August 22nd, 2017. And that's not my, me being sassy. That, that's the name they wrote in. A small mm-hmm. little fancy. Uh, the title is Fracking Amazing with two exclamation points. Aww. And they wrote, y'all, I am an OG fan of this podcast and it never fails to make me smile or laugh or snort or all of the above. I could not recommend this more to anyone who loves Broadway. I love that review. Remind me what OG means again. I think it means original but i don't know because i am so fucking old like uh, me too i think og means like a a, a original gays i don't know ordinary gays i think it originally stands for original gangster um because i and you want to know why i see it all the time when people post on like instagram like posting this of like og so and so and it's like you know like carol burnett or something like that um but i think (laughs) it now basically just means original like i'm like from the ground up yeah they got in from the beginning yeah. Well, thank you so much for that review. Oh my gosh, you guys! We're, like we have fans. Oh my god. I mean, we, it's like three, but like that's three fucking fans. Yeah. And I mean, think about it, John. Who are we really? You know. I'm. I get so uncomfortable stroking the ego, and so as excited as I am about that, I'm ready to move on. I appreciate you guys. I'm so happy that like people are listening. Thank you for people who do listen. Um, 
God, I freaking also, I sound like PBS. Like, thank you for supporting and viewing us. If you'd like to make a donation, you too can get a calendar. Oh my God, we could make a calendar from the photo shoot that we did. We could. <gasps> Let's do it. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, Okay, well, that's our next step. Moving right along. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about what uh, happened in the world of theater this week. Yeah. Some, some fun things have happened. I mean, and by fun, I mean devastating. <laughs> so Broadway has found its next two Evan Hansen, you guys. And in a turn of events... I am just as shocked as you are. It is not Matt and I. It is the real O'Neill's Noah Galvin and Taylor Trench, who has start, who is in Hello Dolly right now, but was in Bear and Curious Incident, and basically is like probably one of the most talented young actors of our times. But like, who cares? Right? What about me? What about what about my dreams? If I lose one more role to Noah Galvin, I will be throwing myself in front of the subway. Listen, I met Noah Galvin when he was like. 16 years old and he had, two days ago yeah i mean literally yeah no but he had so much confidence as a 16 year old and not in like a cocky bitchy way but like so much just like such comfortability in his skin that i literally like i i just collapsed inside myself as like a person in their mid to late 20s when i met them and i was like i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god i'm nothing oh my god oh my god i remember him as the little kid who sang Rose's turn and, and optioned up at the end. That was, like, my intro to him. And what? Do you, so do you remember there was that, like, cabaret, that nightly cabaret called Don't Quit Your Day Job? Or Don't Quit Your Night Job? Oh, um, yeah. It was started by the original Logan Schwartz and Grubinier from Spelling Bee and some other guy. Yes, I, I'm sorry. Sarah, Sarah Sil- not Sarah Salzburg, Silverman. I think. Sarah's- Salzburg, yes. Sarah Salzburg and another gentleman. I forget his name. I apologize, gentleman. But yeah, it was like a late night cabaret review. It was at the Zipper Theater. And they would like have Broadway actors come in and recreate their famous songs, but they would do it with Mad Lib. So like Sutton Foster did a Mad Lib version of Gimme Gimme. Yes, Uh, totally have seen that. Yeah, stuff like that. And he came in. He was like 12 at the time. So his voice hadn't quite changed yet. And they brought him in to sing Rose's Turn. uh, And he like did a slightly condensed version of Rose's Turn. And uh, at the end of the song, he's doing the, this time for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, So I am very excited for him to take over for, I, I think it's about like three months-ish. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that Taylor Trench is taking over for the role because I think if anyone else has the emotional depth and vulnerability and like, like I think, I think Taylor is going to make it his own without a doubt, but I think it's going to be I, I hope I hope the fact that like Taylor isn't as much of a name as Ben is going to detract from ticket sales because I know like I I get like I get I get a musical theater boyna which is Australian for boner um, I get a musical theater boyna just thinking about Taylor Trench in that role he's he's going to be amazing you were just looking for a chance to like showcase your accent skills that's all. 
listen, I don't, like, I don't even like to, like, brag about it, but, like, don't worry about it. Sorry, like, Those no, just shrimp no. on the Barbie. You just, like, throw another shrimp in the Barbie, sorry. You know, like, you know what I think should be our side. next project is a gender-bent musical adaptation of Muriel's Wedding. That is what I think we should do. Oh, well, you know that they're making a, they're making a movie, or they're making a mu- they are making a musical out of that. Yes, I did know that. But yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, yeah. we should, like, find the director and be like, hey, us. I mean, I do listen to enough, uh, app. Sorry, it's ABBA, right? Abba. I always want to say I always want to say ABBA because where I'm from in Pennsylvania, we say like "ma'am" and like it's very Midwestern. But so, um, I listen to enough ABBA for that to be a, a, a truth. So yeah, so back to oh my god, we're in such tangenty moods today. Sorry, everybody. We sorry, are. sorry, 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 sorry. It'll be a very interesting um, episode. But I agree with you. I my my concern, like yours, is what will happen with ticket sales. Not because Dear Evan Hansen isn't a good show or because people no. aren't interested in the show itself, but they have really marketed it as the Ben Platt show. And yeah. my well, and my, because, the reason why I'm concerned yeah. is because last time that really happened with a show that was as big as Dear Evan Hansen was the producers. They really, mm. that, was, that was a phenomenon uh, in the way that Hamilton is and Book of Mormon was. But oh, yeah. the producers for the entire year that, uh, that it was first open, they were, you know, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane's faces were all over New York City. It it was their show. And when they left, ticket sales didn't plummet immediately, but it went from being, like, impossible to get tickets to, like, pretty possible to get tickets. And then by the third year, yeah. it was, like, on TKTS every day. Um, yeah. Which isn't unheard of for a Broadway show, but when your first year is that white hot, like Dear Evan Hansen's is, it's, uh, it's, concerning and so i wonder what will happen if it will remain very popular or if it will cool down rather progressively well i mean to tie into past episodes too i've actually i'm only really i know this makes me kind of slow and a little bit behind but i'm only i'm looking at a lot of the shows from this past season and realizing how many of them were star vehicle shows where part of the main like draw quote unquote that producers were banking on for ticket sales were the names i mean we've already talked multiple times about the whole, you know, star debacle with Great Comet. And we've talked about Hello, Dolly! a little bit, too. But, like, I I guess I just didn't really realize how many... I feel like this season, more than the past few seasons, there's really been some amazing shows with some amazing names who have stepped in and really led to the show well and led ticket sales up. But now, when they start leaving... Yeah, hmm. it'll be yeah, it'll we'll definitely be interesting. Happens. And like, I will say, I re- I mean, I remember when Wicked first came out, and everyone was like, "What are they going to do when Adina and Kristen leave?" But and the same thing with Book of Mormon with the original company. But mm, I feel like those yeah, shows yeah, yeah. were very good about promoting the show itself. And so, I mean, Ben Platt has bit has like blown up with this show. It's it. This has got to be. Oh yeah. Yeah, this has got to be uh, one of the few cases that I've been alive to see where someone really became. A, a known entity due to a Broadway show. Uh, oh, yeah. And like, Not since Sutton Foster, you know. like Yeah, totally. Like, um, where it's like, any, he could open another show next season and be above the title and, like, he would sell tickets, uh, which yeah. is incredibly crazy to me because I remember a few yeah. years ago people would talk about how, like, that just doesn't happen anymore. Mm. And we're seeing yeah. it happen again, uh, which is yeah. great, but it does make me wonder about Dear Evan Hansen's future. Well, when Taylor Trench leaves um, and I take over, 
maybe not even for Evan. Maybe when I take over for um, Rachel Bay Jones' character. You know, like, it's... I'm just going to bring such... If there's one thing I am, it's fresh. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm just... I'm so... I mean, like, oh, honey, like, I am, like, sushi. Like, I am so fresh. So I, Serve I don't know. I'm, raw. So, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I started that, and I didn't want to finish it as soon as I started it. So I was just like, oh, whatever. I'm not as tired as I was last week. Last week, sorry, everyone. I felt, I felt like you could, like, sense it in the podcast that last week I was, like, I was in a mood. Yeah. You know? There's, sorry, I, I cut a, lot of, a little bit of it out, but there were a couple of times when I would say something, and John would just sort of be like, yep, and moving along. I was like, no, I, I wanted banter today. <laughs> Don's like, sorry, no. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, guys. Sorry that I'm the mean one. You are the mean one. And I'm the... I am. The wispy one. Yeah, you are. You're the waif. And I'm the... You're... I'm, I'm the, like, mounds bar. You know, know what? You know what's sad? If we were a production of Little Women, neither one of us would be Meg or Joe. I would be Beth and you would be Amy. Oh, man. That... I would say that's that the was... problem. That's the problem with this podcast. We're a little women without a Joe or a Meg. That that one hit a little too close to home, but gosh, you're right. How did it hit close to home? I don't know. Don't I've I've never read or seen Little Women. Don't they don't they never leave the house? This isn't flowers in the attic. It's like uh. no, they leave the house. They're like they just oh. they grow up together. Just, that's all. I just figured it was like perpetual winter wherever they were in a, in It is in like America. almost always winter with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, it like follows them, I guess, through 10 years or something like that. But Beth is the, to put it in perspective, uh, Beth is played by Claire Danes in the movie. Amy is played okay. by a super young Kirsten Dunst, who then grows up to be Samantha Morris, I think is her name, maybe. Wait, um, so, wait, so, so I'm, I'm Kirsten Dunst? You're Kirsten Dunst, yes. Yes. But like, Kirsten Dunst, like, um. Interview with the vampire age, like she's 14 in the movie. Oh, she was she was so much better when she was younger. Sorry, sorry, I know you're listening, Kirsten. How dare you? Um, I've I've always loved her, and I'll always love her. <laughs> we have skipped again. From I don't care. From, Lean from into Galvin, it. Sniff from, the popper and let it happen. From Noah Galvin and Taylor Trench to talking about when Kirsten Dunst's prime time was. When when was her good year? When was when when did she peak? Two thousand, um, I would say. That was the year of. No, that not that anyone asked me, but that was the year of Bring It On and The Virgin Suicides. So, mm. like, both ends of this. And it was, like, the year before Spider-Man. So it was, like, both oh, ends I of always, the spectrum. Oh, that's right. She was so good in Bring It On. I always forget about Bring It On. Sorry. She's got but, like, an my impressive favorite. IMDb resume. If you, like, yeah. ever, if you ever want to gander through her IMDb one day, like, there are movies she's in that you just forget about. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I did love that movie. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. Well, we've sufficiently covered Evan Hansen. <laughs> yes. We talked about Evan Hansen, segued into Kirsten Dunst. I think that's uh, that's exactly so what Pascal and Paul intended when they wrote the show. I think so, too. I think so, too. Moving um, along, uh, in other news... Please, save me. Save... Let me, let's, let's throw out that life raft. In other news, uh, a new Broadway musical opened last night, and it wasn't even really that new. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> the first musical of the Broadway season opened, and it's the least new show of all the new shows. <laughs> I, I was, I was talking um, 
to Alex Wise last night, and sometimes he just like makes me think about like theater in different ways. And we were talking about Prince of Broadway, um, and you know, opening, and and I was like, I just I had this realization, and I had tweeted about it today, but like right now there are currently like there are two times every night on Broadway in two different theaters that music of the night is being sung. Like, how funny is that? It's like slightly unacceptable like, to me. Yeah, no, like, right. Like, that's so funny. <laughs> like, and then and then I was like, you know what? Like, screw all the voice teachers who are like, oh, don't learn to sing music of the night. It's so cliche. Like, don't audition for it. If you ever audition for any musical with music of the night, they'll just think that you're like a noob and that you're like unprofessional. Screw you. It's being sung twice a night on Broadway in two different Broadway shows. Production contracts. Yeah. That is the magic of Prince of Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are, Two job opportunities that you missed out on now because of your seriously uh, so so rude. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I so I can't give offer any opinion on it. Uh, I will say I'm seeing it in two weeks with not one but okay. both of my grandmothers. So oh, that should like give you an idea of the target audience of Prince yes. of Broadway. I'm not gonna lie. I've I've heard some mixed things. So I um. I don't know. I uh, my so if I can hand me my hand me my soapbox for a second there, John. I'm gonna make a little yeah, statement. Yeah, go for here. it. Um, my issue with the idea of Prince of Broadway is not that Harold Prince is not worth celebrating. He is. He's you know a legend, rightfully so, and has created so many incredible musicals and been you know a part of the process for so many of them. But unlike something like say Fosse or Side by Side by Sondheim. It's a little yeah. trickier with a director, especially with someone like Hal Prince, who never really, he doesn't have like his own visual flair. Like you don't see a Hal Prince production and go, that's Hal Prince. You really right. only understand if it's him based on, you know, the I guess the grandeur of stuff. Like he's very big on spectacle and on doing really tricky subject matter, but that's not really a theme. And like, there, I don't understand. I don't know how you can really piece together. She loves me to Pacific Overtures to on the 20th century. Like, I don't know how you can do that. It's a little easier to go from, like, Steam Heat to Rich Man's Frug to all that jazz. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, that's, the, that's, that's kind of the, like... Yeah, I, there, there is the rub with this, this show as well. And I, um... I will say... I, I will give an example that someone gave me who saw it, who who did not care for it. And the reason why they did not care for it was just because they said that, like, they said that, like, you know, with, like, a lot of reviews, like, there's at least, like, the dialogue kind of, like, explains why the show is even happening or, like, why we're celebrating this person. Um, and so... There's apparently a section where they're like they set up parade and kiss of the spider woman and the setup is literally like something like, Huh, I did two shows set in prisons. Isn't that funny? And then like the person just like walks off stage and all of a sudden like there's suddenly a woman in a cape and a spider web starting saying Spider Woman. So if you don't know anything about Spider Woman, I I mean I guess I, I feel like this is one of those shows that is for people who like just love 
theater. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I could see it. I could love it. I would, I would love to sort of see a review of Hell Prince's stuff that really kind of goes in depth of what drew him to these shows and what connections they do have with each other. And it, at the moment, it just sort of seems like, a, and then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this. And yeah. that doesn't properly serve him, and it doesn't properly serve the material, which is a shame, yeah. because for anyone who actually, I mean, we were just ragging on Phantom, but I will say, I saw it, I saw the Broadway production of Phantom once when I was very young, and then once more in high school, uh, mm-hmm. through like a random circumstance, someone invited me, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And I was in the third row mad center about orchestra it. for it. <laughs> you were mad about it. You're like, yeah, I'll go see Phantom. Yeah, well, like, I mean, I was being snobby. I, like, was 16, and I was in the middle of my Sondheim epiphany, and I was like, I only care about company and Sweeney. What do I care for Phantom? Sure, sure, I went and saw it, and, like, the show is still the show, uh, but I will say it is brilliantly staged and designed to the point where, like, if you, like, go and you have, like, a good enough seat to get the proper visuals of it, like, you understand why it took off the way it did and why it still holds up like it is it's it's the most cinematic thing i've ever seen like it literally looks like sometimes you're watching mm. a movie it's crazy um yeah so, i mean here, here's the oh sorry go no, ahead. no no there's no that's all i was gonna say continue no i was just gonna say like i've actually been so i mean obviously i've been like obsessed with hell prince for like years but the one of the things i love about him that has always intrigued me is, you know, one of the great things about theater, about what we do, is that there are so many different ways to skin this cat's. <laughs> Get it? But <laughs> um, There's so many ways to skin this cat. There, there's so many different ways to direct. And the, the, the main thing I've always heard about Hal Prince is that, like, he is so specific and so meticulous that he goes down to, like, almost, like, so many hand movements and gestures and turns are, like, choreographed. And, um... I can understand how some actors would be in a situation like that and be like, well, that just kills the creative process. Um, But I've always been so intrigued because if anything, I think that it speaks so much to the idea of how important the role of a director is because the reason why his pieces are so famous and so celebrated and so amazing is because although yes, he does control so many aspects of everything, including like a lot of times what the actor is actually doing, he is going above and beyond as a director to make sure that his vision is what is seen. In a way, it is cinematic cinematic because he is going in and editing everything to make sure that the audience sees exactly his vision. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. It is. It's funny you say that because I've actually heard... Uh, a different account of his directing style in terms of actors, because I do, he's a very visual director. Like he's even said like when right. he's, what makes him choose productions is he has to know what it's going to look like first. And right. like, he always has uh, themes for imagery. So like Sweeney Todd, he, once he figured out that it was going to be in a factory, he was able to go from there. But right. uh, Angela Lansbury said about Sweeney and Patty Lapone said the same thing for Evita that he usually, his directing style with actors is he, if he knows that you're right, he will just basically cast you and then like let you do it. And then if he doesn't like something, he'll change it. But most like Angela Lansbury mm. and Len Carrier were rehearsing a little priest and Hal Prince literally never looked up once while they were doing it. They were just kind of coming up with their own stuff. And in the <laughs> middle of them rehearsing it, Len finally just stops the song and goes, Hal, is anything we're doing right? And Hal looks up from his notes. He goes, what? Yeah, if it wasn't right, I would have told you. And like goes back to his notes. Right. 
Um, well, so, I, well I, th- I think that's also a sign of a really good director, too. Like, I don't think it's that he gets in the way. I think, I think he just, like, I think he's so meticulous oh, yeah. in what he does. And so I think he should be celebrated. I, I definitely, you know, be it, be it that your opinion that you like the show that you don't, you know, like I said, haven't seen it, you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think, I mean, he's had such a, he's, he's changed theater in many ways. He has, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree, he should be celebrated. Whether this production rightfully does that, we shall see. Um, but right. Yes, he is definitely somebody who we should celebrate. So, yay, Hal. Yeah. No, no dissenting opinions there. No. Yeah. Let your mind start a journey through a strange new world. Leave all thoughts on the world you knew before. Let your soul take you where you long to be. Um. Cool. I mean, it was kind of like a news light heavy week. So I actually am bombarding the podcast, Matthew, because I have, drum roll please, our second jukebox this musical. <laughs> I know you had really? no Yeah, you had no clue I was doing this. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So I was trying to think of someone that I knew a lot of their music of, and I was like wow, I really don't listen to enough pop singers. Um, pop singers. Oh my God, I sound like a literal 90-year-old. You kids and your pop stars and your pop tarts. Um, <laughs> I'm the same way though. Yeah. So I literally, um, I was thinking of like who I know. And so at first I was like, I've been obsessed with Kesha's new album. I don't know if you've listened to it. Um, it is, I, it's almost yeah. as vital to me as therapy right now. Like literally it is. Um, and so I was going to, but then I was like, well, I, I feel like, I feel like I would need more time with that because I feel like there's such a difference and a level of maturity that like changes between her first few albums and this new album. So I was like, I was like, I, I, I feel like it also needs to be like, not that it'd be serious, but I was like, what can I do that I can just completely go out there berserk and cuckoo bananas with? So ladies and gentlemen... I present to you our second jukebox this musical, the Lady Gaga jukebox musical, <laughs> Born This Way. <laughs> Born This Way, the Lady Gaga musical. Yes. <clears throat> Lights up on our Amish heroine, Gertrude. <laughs> Alone on stage, churning butter. <laughs> Which is an Oklahoma reference. You know, it's, it's very yeah. brave. It's like groundbreaking. <laughs> it's a so throwback, Gertrude... but it's also forward thinking. Yes, exactly. Um, so Amish heroine Gertrude churning butter alone on stage. There is complete silence except for some random cow moves for about five to seven straight minutes. <laughs> Suddenly, Gertrude opens her mouth and begins an, acous- an acoustic. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I forgot how to say acoustic. <laughs> I think lean into it. Let's keep going that way. Acoustic. She, she begins an acoustic cover of the Lady Gaga song, Speechless. Oh boy, you've left me speechless. You've left me speechless. So speechless. A ballad interspersed with a monologue from Gertrude 
where she reveals her failed taboo ro romance with a non-Amish boy named Krent, who has left her completely heartbroken and alone. Krent. Okay, Jesus fucking Christ. The song ends to minimal and confused applause when suddenly, Tammy with an I.E., Gertrude's sister <laughs> appears. Tammy with an IE is so sick of Gertrude always daydreaming with her head in the clouds. She expresses this to Gertrude by knocking over the butter Gertrude has been churning, leaving a buttery mess on stage. Tammy with an IE exits through a trap door, which I guess we can assume is the cellar, but who really cares because Tammy with an IE is a real B word and like F her. Just then, Gertrude's Amish mother, Bethilda, appears chasing their prized chicken, Horatio, who has escaped from his holding pen. Bethilda begs Gertrude to help her, and she begrudgingly obliges by muttering a half-baked joke like, ugh, what the cluck. As Gertrude chases Horatio, who, I forgot to mention, Horatio is played by character actress extraordinaire Jen Cody. What <laughs> Gertrude, Gertrude slips on the buttery mess that Tammy with an IE had left behind. Blackout. Gertrude has blacked out, and we slowly begin to hear a whooshing of sound, building to a grand cacophony from the orchestra. Flashes of light and the pup 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 poker face pup pup poker face intro begin, with all the while some very dangerous non-equity pyrotechnics bursting from around the proscenium. Suddenly, lights up. Nothing has changed. <laughs> it's the same exact scene. <laughs> Bethilda, oh Bethilda shakes Gertrude awake and tells her, uh, tells her that Gertrude just needs to stop moping around because, and drum roll, it's time for Rumspringer! <laughs> That's right, it's Rumspringer. Suddenly the stage bursts to life as the big company number, Schlieb, begins. And amidst the German pop music, Bethilda bids Gertrude well wishes as she begins her journey to decide whether or not she wants to remain Amish. However, Bethilda warns Gertrude not to forget her Amish roots, and the song climaxes to a kick line of chorus girls clad in modest blue Amish dresses, and one gay chorus boy dresses a bratwurst just for camp factor. And and scene one. All <laughs> oh, this is scene one. Oh my god. Yes. Next scene. We are suddenly in Times Square. Gertrude carries a suitcase and sings a short pre-reprise. Which, pre-prise? Is that a thing? Did I make that up? Can that be a thing? A I think that's a thing, right? A pre-prise? Pre-prise? So it's like the actual song hasn't happened yet? Yeah. But it's like a short... That's a thing. I, you know, I would call it a pre-fame. Or pre-frame. Oh. A yeah, pre-frame. Pre I like pre-prise, though. <laughs> so Gertrude... How many if she hasn't, it's, she hasn't repeated it yet? I swear that's a thing that actually exists. I don't know. Someone let me know if I'm crazy. Anyways... Gertrude I mean, you are is, crazy, but we'll I find know. out if it actually exists. So Gertrude is in Times Square, and she's carrying this suitcase and sings a short pre-prise. She is scared, and she is alone. Except for Horatio, because Jen Cody negotiated her role to be bigger. Because, like, you know she would. <laughs> so it's Gertrude and Horatio the chicken, alone in Times Square. Before the pre-prise can finish, she bumps into an attractive young man named Brent. Close to Krent. Get it? Oh. 
So the stage goes dark as the two lock eyes and the world just stops around them. Two spotlights highlight Gertrude and Krent as they begin to slowly inch closer. Suddenly the lights go back to normal, and Gertrude dreamily asks, What was that? To which Brett answers, It was the eclipse. Thunderous applause and laughter from the audience for such a topical joke because you know the eclipse just happened this week, so we have to get this. We have to get this production. So we have to get this up. And we have to get this at the ART quick. like tomorrow. Yeah, Brent. After some wordy Gilmore esque Gilmore girl esque bullshit fast talking, he asks Gertrude to join him tonight at a club called Art Pop. Gertrude agrees, although she has never been to a club before, and asks her new, super quick, and completely irrational love interests, a la Maria and West Side Story, Brent, what is Brent short for? To which he answers, Alejandro. Don't go my name, don't go my name, Alejandro. And even though the lyrics don't make sense with the storyline, the gays in the audience go crazy for it, because, like, don't forget, Jen Cody's still there, and, like, you know she's got bits. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they came out in droves. Yeah. So, like, so many bits during the song Alejandro, and gays are just living for it. Next mm-hmm. scene. We are in the seedy depths of the club Art Pop. Gertrude is alone, and she cannot find Brent or Horatio. She is scared. She has never seen so many gyrations before. Plus, she's still dressed like an Amish girl, so chorus members are, like, improving around her and whispering about her and, like, mugging at the audience to, to let you know that she sticks out in a bad way. They're like, oh, look at this girl, and, like, making faces like, oh, she looks so weird. <laughs> Gertrude remembers that she is there to enjoy her rumspringer, and she tries to dance along to the music, but she fails. Suddenly, the beat for Just Dance begins. Gertrude begins to sing meekly, trying to convince herself that all she needs to do is... Slowly, as she grows confidence, she begins to sing louder and attracts more attention, and this time in a good way. A gay chorus boy begins to dance with her, and at the dramatic key change, he spins Gertrude around, and her Amish dress is sucked off, like that Let It Go onstage costume change that we've all been watching for the last week, and she is now wearing only a bikini made of Kermit the Frog heads. As the number finishes... Brent sees Gertrude and runs up to her and kisses her as the crowd in the club begins to bow down to them. For there is no doubt in anyone's mind that this Amish girl just became the newest pop star in the world. Lady Gerger. Curtain. End of Act 1. That was the end of Act 1. Because Act 1 is only about like 37 minutes long because who has time for anything else anymore? So, um... During intermission, everyone in the audience is handed an uncomfortable, fashionable pair of shoes that are impossible to walk in. Because uh, that's just like, I want this to be like slightly immersive, but not really. Mm-hmm. I just want this to be like just a, a thunder fuck of emotions and experience. So curtain rises on act two and Lady Gerger is on stage at a piano. It is very beautiful-esque, you know, like when Carol King starts the show at the piano at her concert. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. For a second, I thought you were like saying it's very beautiful, like like an adjective and going esque. No. So it's like not even attractive. No. I was like, oh. What a, no, what a no, backhanded no. compliment. No, it's no, no, like no. musical beautiful. It's, it's like it. the musical be- beautiful, but it's also like beautiful because for no reason the severed head of Carol King lays on top of the piano. Because like, don't forget, this is the Lady Gaga musical. We need weird shit going on. Exactly. Lady, you G- know that there will be no that she is the king, not Carol. Continue. Exactly. Ooh, 
Lady Gerger addresses the audience directly, explaining that now all she lives for is, that's right, you guessed it, the applause. So the, the number of applause ends, and we are now backstage in Lady Gerger's dressing room. Her now manager, Horatio the Chicken, walks in, exclaiming with that perfect Jen Cody timing that her performance tonight was excellent. Because <laughs> she's a chicken. Because <laughs> she's a chicken. Excellent. After about, <laughs> after about two minutes of laughter from the audience, like once that dies down <laughs> from that joke, Lady, Lady Gerger explains that it's crazy how much has changed since she left Amishland 11 days ago. Brent walks in, and since it's about time for some like real conflict in the show, I've decided that Brent is bipolar, so he is not doing well in this scene. When, when did we find this out? Right now. Like, okay. second, second act begins, Brent walks in, and like you're just like, oh, he's bipolar. Like, that's... <laughs> That's just the thing. That it's happens. like through the genius of the actor's acting, we the audience realize, oh, he's been bipolar. Yeah, but we could also maybe even just have a line in there where, like, like uh, uh, we'll give it to Jen Cody and she could sell it and just be like, oh, you know, Brent, like, he's so bipolar, and then people will laugh, even though it's not yeah, a joke. That's why they call him bipolar Brent. Ex- exactly. Yes, that's the line. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so because we need this conflict, Brent walks in. He's bipolar and he's not doing good. Lady Gerger wants to go out dancing that night to celebrate her concert, and Brent uh, tells her that she can only go if she calls him when she gets to the club on her telephone. But since Lady Gerger is Amish, she has no idea what a telephone is, but she knows that she doesn't want to use one. <laughs> Lady Gerger... <laughs> no one's going to tell Lady Gerger what to do. Exactly. Lady Gerger and Horatio sing the song together in a defiant duet, as Brent uh, to Brent as they begin to go out partying. The song becomes an epic com- company number that is almost as confusing as the actual music video for the song Telephone. <laughs> After the song ends, which I forget to mention, uh, like I forgot to mention, at the button of the song, the audience is sprayed with actual hamburger helper, just cause. Um, <laughs> Lady Gaga and Horatio, or sorry, Lady Gerger and Horatio find themselves separated, and Lady Gerger suddenly runs into it a, a young, lost Amish girl who reminds her a lot of herself and who she used to be. The two strike up a conversation, and Lady Gerger reveals that she uh, she is so relieved to have someone to talk to who doesn't want to just mooch off of her and her new fame and glory. The young Amish girl asks Lady Gerger if she was always so glamorous, and Lady Gerger says no. Not on the outside, but that on the inside, she knew that she was always born this way. Also, for no reason, during the song, she starts painting her body with, like, pastel paints. Just because. Of course. Um, the young Amish girl says that she inspired her to go out and find her true self and begins to run off. As she does, Lady Gerger stops her to catch her name, which she had never uh, shared. The young Amish girl turns back and responds with a twinkle in her eye, Stephanie Germanata, which is Lady 
Gaga's Lurdy Gerger's real, real, real name. name. Yeah, so there's that's a clever tie-in. <laughs> For anyone who was wondering, it's very clever. Very clever. Suddenly, <laughs> a chorus of gay men in black leotards and huge shutter cameras as faces appear. They begin to swarm Lady Gerger as a nightmarish dream ballet of paparazzi begins. The dream ballet is acrobatic and involves a lot of flying because, like, why the hell not? And also, due to the flying, Born This Way has a lot of lawsuits because the gay dancers uh, playing cameras keep falling. But that just adds to the reason why people want to come see it, because, like, you know, like, kind of like Spider-Man, people yeah. might actually witness a real death. So, like, it's, it's all for ticket sales. Um, exactly. Lady Gerger escapes the nightmarish paparazzi dream ballet and opens the door to her huge New York mansion apartment that she has procured in 11 days. Waiting inside is Brent who is holding Horatio at gunpoint. The two begin a sexually charged standoff, singing a mashup of Bad Romance and an Alejandro reprise. Because Alejandro is Brent's real name. I don't know if you forgot that, but it is. I, I remembered. Yeah. I am hoping Good. that the audience didn't forget. Yeah, don't forget, you guys. Brent is short for Alejandro. So during the number, Lady Gerger tries to fight off Brent, save Horatio, and belt out high Gs, because this is Broadway, and that's what we require now. Suddenly, <laughs> Lady Gerger remembers that she has had her butter-churning stick hidden underneath her meat dress this whole time, because she's been wearing the meat dress during Act 2. And mm. she uh, takes the churning stick that is hidden underneath her meat dress and beats Brent to death with it. <laughs> Horatio runs to Lady Gaga and proclaims, Whew, Lady Gerger! Sorry, Lady Gerger. Horatio runs God. to Lady Gerger, Lady Gerger, and proclaims, whew, I thought my ass was fried. Because she's a chicken. And the gays <laughs> in the audience go wild. And they go wild again. And thanks Lady Gerger and reminds her that Lady Gerger has to play her second show that night. Because Horatio is also her manager. You know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping things very, like, I, you know, realistic. So yeah. uh, Lady Gerger has to play the late night show. We quickly transition back to the stage where Lady Gerger performs as we hear millions of voices chanting for Lady Gaga. Gerger! Gerger! Oh my god, I wrote this and it's so hard. Lady Gerger. Just as Lady Gerger is about to step on stage, blackout. It's the same as before. We hear a whooshing of sound, a building of a grand cacophony from the orchestra, and like the very dangerous non-equity pyrotechnics bursting around the proscenium. Lights up, and we are back at the Amish farm. Everything is the same as it was before. Bethilda shakes Gertrude awake and says that she was out cold for a while. Gertrude sees that it was all a dream. She never became Lady Gerger. Bethilda no! Yeah. Bethilda tells Gertrude that it's time to get back to work and leaves her alone on stage. Gertrude is devastated that she is nothing more than a sad Amish girl. As she walks back to her overturned butter churner, she reaches inside and finds a single Kermit head. Just then, Bethilda re-enters and said, and don't forget, your rumspringa starts tomorrow. The show ends with all the barnyard animals played by the chorus members in like rejected Julie Taymor Lion King costumes, celebrating the fact that Gertrude was always truly born to be Lady Gerger, 
and that with the help of Rumspringa, it still may come true. Blackout, curtain, end of the show. I'll take your Tony Award. I was about to say, and Tony, 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 Tony. Oh my God, that was a journey. Thank you, John. You're welcome. I mean, uh, I know that it's super simple to follow, so... <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, like, it's a little by the numbers. It's very, like, it is. girl it's... meets boy, girl becomes pop star, girl wears meat dress. It's like, you know... I know, I know. We've, we've all heard this story before, but I think... I it's think... essentially the plot of Citizen Kane, but, like, whatever. Yes, yes. With a little bit of Wizard of Oz mixed in there. <laughs> exactly. No, I loved that. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't wait to, to see that up on the B-Way. Who would you imagine as uh, Gertrude Lady Gerger? I was having a lot of issue with that, and so I, I, I didn't want to say it at first. Um, but I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, who would play Lady Gerger? And I think I kind of came up with the perfect person, um, but I wanted to leave until the very end. I think our very own Tony winner, Lena Hall. Mm. Yes. I think... I think at first, like at first, like I was like, I have no idea who would play this, and then it came to me in a fever dream last night, and I was like, it's Lena Hall. Like, the contracts are signed. They are signed, and now, now I'm wondering. Now that you said that, now I'm just wondering about Tammy with an IE. I'm like, who? Yeah, who's I, Tammy with an IE. Honestly, I was thinking of. Um... <laughs> oh my god, I'm such a mess. I was thinking of Laurie Metcalf. <laughs> Even though she's not Tammy with an IE, she, she's not age appropriate for it at all. No, can she like, be? Can she be Bethilda? I actually maybe would want to hire an actual Amish woman to play Bethilda. Oh God, yeah, like an actual old Amish mother. Pick her up from the streets, little chloroform. Um, <laughs> she wakes up in New York, and it's like surprise, you're in a Broadway show. Here's the script. And here's, here's, here's Jen Cody in a chicken costume. You're right. And here's Jen, Cody. here's Jen Cody in a chicken costume. I mean, honestly, this could be Jen Cody's Tony. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. With, uh, with such lines as, I thought my ass was fried, and that's why they call him Bipolar Brent. Like, that's, yeah. that's the next thing out, Louise. Guys, like, the worst part about that jukebox musical is that I was completely sober when I wrote all of that. So, like... Just think that, like, that's how my brain functions. Yeah. Uh, now I gotta step up my game. I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do the next one. And I gotta. I gotta think even more outside the box. That's how we're getting the 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 fans. That is how we're getting the fans. What? Watch like a year from now, this podcast blows up because people just want to listen to the jukebox that musicals. And we're like, but what about our opinions about Hal Prince? And everyone's like, fuck it. Everyone's like, screw you, you gays. We don't care about your opinions. Just, like, take our favorite songwriters and turn them into a musical. And, gosh, we do. We really, really do. Well, that's all I got for today, guys. I, uh, Matthew, anything else from you? Any, you know, like, what what else you got? (laughs) Stay in school. Hug your parents. Only do drugs if the cool kids are doing it. That's that's what I got to say. And do not overpay for drugs. Like... Yeah, like, see if you have a friend who will pay for it. Like, bum off of them. Be on a budget. Play us out, Lori Metcalf. <laughs> what? No! You can't do that! No! No, someone else. We need someone else. For realsies. Who, who, I, who should we pick this time? Why can't we just have clips of Lori Metcalf saying famous quotes? 
Does she have famous quotes? I don't know. Like, I'm Lori Metcalf. There's a snake in my boot. Well, you know the times she said that. <laughs> in numerous. Numerous times she said that. Almost as many times as Jen Cody said, that's why they call him Bipolar Brent. Oh, let's have let's have some Jen Cody play us off. Like, I don't okay. know. Okay. And there's some, like, urine Jen Cody, or that's going to be, like, Shrek. a compilation play out. Okay. Yeah, or some, Thanks, like, Jen Shrek Cody. or something. Shrek, uh, urine town. Yeah. Pajama right. game. She has, like, two lines of pajama game. We'll do that. Oh, perfect. All right, everybody. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. He makes me toot. Jen ain't cute. We're two of a kind. A perfect match. A couple through and through. We're two of a kind. The catcher. The cat. A fairy tale come true. He's a motor car. She's an oyster bird. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.